Welcome to this week's episode of the Far Aim Podcast. We are doing uh, not a live stream. I don't know if we'll live stream prior to episode 100 anymore. Uh, it seems like we've got some shows in the works that are not going to be live streamed. We'll see. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Make sure to sign up to the email list, robertberger.com slash live, not backslash live. Somebody did email me and corrected me on that. Um, we have a special guest today. He is uh, often normally in the live stream chat. Lee Griffing's uh, former student, Mr. Griffing. If you want to take the lead on this one, do the uh, introduction and uh, cover the bullet points we're going for for the, this discussion. Yeah, we can edit out anything I screw up anyways. But um, everybody, yeah. this is my buddy Jeff, a former student of mine. Um, you're probably pretty early on in my, maybe midway through kind of my instructing career. Um, so oftentimes I make mention that I let Jeff down um, on a lot of things. Um, and he can point out some of those today uh, if you want, Oh, Jeff. please do. Yeah, I mean, that, that'd be good. It makes for good conversation. Um, um, but yeah, I think we have a few topics to cover with Jeff. Um and, and and now he's far surpassed, you know, anything that I could ever teach him now. So he's obviously he can uh, teach us a few things. Um, so some of the things um, I want to talk about with Jeff or having Jeff on um, just just kind of a general overview, you know, what he's seen from from his role as an instructor, um, people being out of the game for a while, uh, medical certificates and, and the importance of when to get those, why to get those. Um, maybe we might throw some basic med stuff in there, maybe. And then uh, just maybe some some guidance on uh, how, how, like maybe some tips and tricks that you found along the way, Jeff, uh, maybe about passing a check ride or the keys to success for passing a check ride. Does that sound good? And is there anything else that you that you can think of that you want to start off with or where you want to go from here? No, no, uh, that sounds great. First okay. of all, thanks for uh, having me on your show. I've thanks turned a couple of my students onto it. One of my students is actually mad because he's gone through all of your episodes. Mm -hmm. So, when this is in a matter of a month and a half, he's gone over them. <laughs> oh, so, wow. Uh, he, so, he's uh, got he about two hours part. total worth of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is true. But that being said, uh, there's actually another podcast, uh, Uncontrolled uh, Airspace, that has three guys on it. And I used to listen to those guys. And... Not as funny, not as uh, knowledgeable as you three. So you guys got that going for you. Appreciate oh, that. Appreciate Thank it. you. We yes. purposely I try to bring don't the knowledge, but yeah, Scott's our, <laughs> our knowledge speaking. We yeah. purposely, the three of us actually do not listen to any other aviation podcasts because we don't want it to like consciously or subconsciously affect how we run this show. So other than the names, I recognize names from doing research and stuff with the market. But other than that, we have. Three of us have actually, if you have listened to another aviation podcast out there, the three of us have not heard it. So <laughs> right, uh, right. We, we try to do that to, to keep it unique. Yeah, nope, totally. You guys are doing a great job. Just keep it going. Well, thank you. Thank you. So as your role, so as you've progressed through your ratings, well, first off, could you, what, what ratings do you hold? So For commercial and CFI stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Commercial CFI, double CFI, uh, multi-engine. And uh, that's it right now. So no, no MEI though. No, no MEI. Okay. So all I right. Just, so you got a um, double I. So for most people, that's that's an instrument flight instructor. Correct. Just so everybody knows. Okay. All right. Cool. So just kind of a background, like what your credentials are. So as as you've progressed through the ratings and you've you've got that that lens, you know, you've you've 
done the piloting stuff. Then you kind of go back towards, you get really comfy in that left seat, you know, getting your commercial and your, and your, uh, your, your, um, multi, your commercial multi. And then you go back and then you got to sit in that right seat for God knows how many hours. And so much learning happens over there. You think you have all these hours. The FA says you need to know all this stuff. Then you're responsible for teaching somebody it all those things. You're supposed to get the information from your head, what you have into somebody else's head. But along the way, nobody ever told me this, how much information you, you are going to learn from the students actually asking questions. One student's going to ask certain questions. Another student's going to ask other questions. And you just get this big, you start getting the big picture. So as you've made through, so how many hours of dual given do you have roughly now? Uh, 800. Roughly. 800. That, yeah, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of right. dual given. That's so done. through that lens, like what are what are some of the things that you see as like maybe common mistakes or things that oh yeah I mean I guess like I I think there's a couple different ways you can look at it like okay I'm doing a flight review for somebody who's been flying for a while common mistakes they come back with kind of with being rusty then there's another kind of a subset of that is you know you maybe inherit some students from a previous instructor and what do they come in with so like what. I don't know where, where are you at on that? You see what I'm getting at? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying at uh, Lee. So anyway, um, basically one of the, I, I received a student one time um, and I've worked for actually three different companies instructing. And uh, one of the students I received was from the instructor. So as we're progressing through this kid's, um, his lessons, you know, we're getting ready to solo them. Well, no one ever had him get his medical and um, turns mm. out he was taking a medication that got him disqualified. So he put in all this training and he was disqualified. So my whole thing is always with my students is get the medical right away. You know, let's see if you have a problem. Uh, some of the things like, so I'm going to go back to like my very first lesson with you. And it was like, what do you want to do with this? Or do you just want to get your pilot's license? Do you um, just want to learn how to solo? Whatever. You kind of put me on like a career path. And uh, that was very helpful. You know, um, and then as I progressed, you would say, you know, hey, okay. And so here's what you want to do next. You want to go for your instrument um, because that's going to help you build up time towards your commercial. It's going to make you a safer pilot. Um, it's also going to help you get the time that you need for your commercial. And then I think when it was my multi-engine, you had me wait. I'm getting my multi-engine only for the fact is like, listen, if you're not going to fly it, you're going to forget it. So don't get your multi-engine right away. You know, you kind of gave me this pass. So, you know, from there, I use that with my students, you know, what do you want to do? Why are you here? Mm -hmm. um, I also look at it. I, I tell them from day one, like, listen, uh, as an instructor student, it's almost like a marriage. Sometimes things are going to work out between us. Sometimes things aren't. Sometimes you may have to look at someone else. Maybe things between us are never going to work out. You know, and it could be either their their personality or my personality. We just don't mix. You know, right? And not everyone's right. just going to fit in together. Yeah, that's what I say. That I kind of mean this. I mean, that's a really a much better analogy. I t I tend to talk about like the kind of this mentorship role, and like you want to find somebody that. You don't want them to be too green. 
I mean, they could be a rock star and be green, but then there's obviously going to be holes in their knowledge because they don't have the experience. They could be really good with their numbers and stick and rudder skills, but they don't have the big picture like maybe aeronautical decision making or severe weather avoidance, things like that. It's always a trade off. And so like I try to try to talk about finding somebody who's like a mentor that you can kind of latch on to early that you may not necessarily outgrow. And maybe they that person may not even be your primary instructor, but they're going to help supplement maybe what you're, maybe they're not even a, a, maybe they're not even a CFI or they let a lapse or something. But so you have, you know, kind of between your maybe accessible CFI with, you know, a good foundation and what have you, hopefully. But then if you have somebody else, ideally they're the same person, but not, it can't always be, it can't always be. And you have somebody that can like, ah, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's better if you try somebody else or do this. And I like, I don't want bad juju between people and you don't want somebody driving a wedge, but it seems like if you can get somebody who can, um, that you're not going to outgrow. That's something that, that, but, but like you said, the personalities have to work. And I mean, you're just spending so much time right next to them. Like they can be awesome. But maybe there's some with personalities that don't click or the way they teach their teaching skill. They might be a rock star instructor. You might be a rock star pilot with above average ability. But that doesn't mean everything's going to mesh. You got to learn the way they teach and vice versa. Uh, that's a good way of saying it, though. The marriage. That is a much better way of saying it. Oh, yeah. If you get to a certain point, though, you're saying like a one size fits all and can handle all of your instruction. Depending on how deep you go into the aviation journey, I think you eventually get to the point where even a rock star who knows a ton, you, you're going to outgrow at some point. That's like, also something I say, though. Like like Scott and I had Don Mather teach uh -huh, us, uh -huh. which was incredible. Uh, I wish I could have done more with him. I wish I, my plane back in the day was instrument rated, so I could have done like an instrument rating with him and stuff. But like if I was going to go do... For example, okay, well, we won't even go extreme like helicopters or something. Let's stick with airplanes. If I was going to go do glass panel stuff, I don't think I'd go use Don, even though he's an incredible instructor, just because he's old school and does, like probably wouldn't be the best person to learn and train how to do approaches with a G1000 in because he's just not familiar with it. But I said they can't always be the same person. You might need somebody who's accessible who maybe you can rent that one that 172 with a G1000 in. But I think you always having, I hate to say it like this, because I would hate to be undermined as an instructor too, but from the overall health of your flying career, maybe you'd probably be good to have that that mentor. And I think everybody who a little bit has that anyways, because they have somebody who got them into flying probably, or somebody that's well-known around the airport that they were friends with, who knows. But it's ideal if they're the same person. But I don't think that can always be the case because you need the younger guy who's hungry for money, who's going to show up and be there because he needs the hours too and knows the G1000. He's already a CFI at that flight school, but it's always nice to have that backup Don be like, hey, Tony just taught me this. What do you think? You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is what I learned today. What do you think about that? It's what? a... um. I, it's a conundrum, I always say, that the, the CFI is the entry-level position for aviation in, in a is. lot of senses. Where it is. So my next instructor that was after Lee, and um, the reason, so I had Lee as my private and then my instrument. 
at the time I couldn't do my commercial with them because you had to have a complex, um, no, you had to have, yeah, it was complex plane, Back wasn't then. it? Yeah, yeah. 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 You had to have a complex plane. So I ended up going to uh, Cleveland and Lee knows who my next instructor was. It was Tony. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Without saying his last name. Yeah. So, yeah. I but, know you know, and I know that some people, a, yeah. you know, but Tony was actually really, he was really good. I mean, he had a lot of stories. Lee knows mm-hmm. this. He, he would tell a lot of stories or whatever. That, but he also had a lot of knowledge. And you just, right. you, you listen to him and you would just, you know, and he was very helpful. And um, I went through commercial, my instrument with him, and then actually end up leaving from there and then to my present job. So, but yeah, so I had, yeah, I had him. And like I said, different. He was old school, um, mm-hmm. had a lot of stories. Um wasn't good with the G1000, but, you know, he was good with the just being, you know, getting it through to you, getting the information through to you. And like I said, if yeah. it, for me, if it wasn't for, I guess, how Lee was, I don't know if I ever went through the rest of my aviation, you know, because he was patient. I think there's like, what, a 20-year difference between us, Lee? Probably 35. More. Okay. So, twenty, yeah, 20 years exactly. So, okay. um, you know. But yeah, Lee did an outstanding job getting the he didn't yell at you all foundation the time? done. I yelled at him probably yelled. a lot. I was gonna say oh, Lee yeah. likes to yell at people. Lee's, Lee's a, <laughs> he's I was I did not have a very good temperament. I had a chip he's on always, my shoulder. <laughs> he's always flying off the handle at people. Well, I did sometimes, you know, you expect, like, you know better than that. I'm not saying Jeff ever did this, but like, no, I, you know, if you have a pretty good idea at, when you instruct for a while, you know, you've built that person up to their knowledge base. So, you know, within a pretty good, you know, reasonable amount, how much they know and what they know to do and what not to. It's like when they go do something, it's like, you know, better than that. Why'd you do that? I don't think I'd go do that now. Like it took me a long, no, it, it took, took me a long time to develop any form of bedside manner. Jeff was not no, a beneficiary. I, I, I get that too, because that's, <laughs> that's, um, that's the frustrating part. You see someone do it and you're like, oh my God, they got this. And then all of a sudden they'll do something so silly and you're like, come on, I know you can, you know this. And I think that's what leaves with me. And that's how I'm with some of my students. I'm like, come on, are you serious? I know you can do this. You got this. You know, why are you lapsing back? And then that's when you got to go back and try to figure out why are they lapsing back? Why mm-hmm. are they uh, not putting the controls in the right direction on a crosswind landing? Mm-hmm. Why are they crabbing the wrong way coming in into a downwind and they're drifting closer to the airport? You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But it, it just gets a little bit frustrating. Like I said, I de- you can ask my wife, I definitely have the worst bedside manner. So I, I think I got lead beat on that one. So. <laughs> well, I just, I, it's, it's, it's tough because it's like a learned skill, you know, it's, you got to have, you want them to come back. You're not doing it. It just depends. What are you in it for? You know, are you the 141, you know, um, graduate and you need to build time. You need to get a little bit of money in your pockets. You can go drink for the weekend, whatever, you know, or are you in it to like impact people's lives? I don't know what the hell I was doing back then. I well, well, I like literally didn't know what the hell I was doing in form in terms of like learning how to fly airplanes. I didn't know what I was doing in terms of how to take care of customers, which is very weird. It was just different. Like I, I just, I didn't know where I was. I'd like to think that I would have a better bedside manner now, but since I'm not doing it full time, I don't know, but it is tough to see people relapse. And that is another, another layer to the instructing 
you know, is, is you have to self-diagnose where kind of the train went off the tracks. That's just a whole new skill set you develop and learn backtracking or whatever. I had a lesson or two I did with you, Lee, and that's when I learned that it is not very constructive for me to take lessons from my peers in in aircraft because it was completely worthless. Like, I, I forget what exactly happened, but we just, I couldn't, like, neither one of us could take it seriously. I think it might be part of me, like, having a personality even with friends, it's kind of like aggressive where you like never, like you, I don't know, the dynamic did not work and we ended up just goofing around and it was just like, it was supposed to be a flight for something, maybe an instrument in the Archer, I want to say. I don't remember this flight at all, so. And then, yeah, we just goofed around. It was so memorable. It was so memorable. I don't even remember it at all. You probably don't even remember it as a lesson because we didn't, like you were going to do a lesson and you're like, I'm not even logging this as flight training. Like we didn't do shit. Like we ended up just flying around in the archer goofing around. And then <sighs> that's when I went with Dawn. And then she like was like, I don't know. I couldn't take her seriously because I worked with her. Right. So it's like I had to find somebody, like you said, with the dynamic, Jeff, where I have that underlying like instructor student relationship with for me if there's another dynamic going on i can't like i just can't get into the mode of of being taught by somebody who i don't just think of as almost only my instructor yeah Yeah, i also think like um and i I know it's a money thing but i I think also as an instructor Sometimes you got to give that free time, you know, like if they call you with a question, I always, I'm always open to my sense, like, listen, if you want to call me about anything, um, even if someone goes to another, another instructor, I'll be like, listen, if you need anything, just call me. It's kind of like a little customer service thing, you know, you help them out right. with, you know, that little thing. And then maybe they come back to you for their instrument, you know, or I, the whole thing is about making the person safe. You know, that's what you want in the, in the flying community. You don't want to send someone out there that's going to uh, injure themselves or whatever. So, I mean, if you could just help them by, you know, Hey, here's my phone number. Uh, give me a call. I mean, I, I haven't to this point had anyone ever abuse it. Um, I got a pretty well built simulator that I've had a couple of students come over and we'll go over things like that with instrument approaches. Um, or maybe it's just, you know, trying to explain them like, Hey, um, okay. So here's a pet peeve straight level flight look out at the horizon you just mm-hmm. try to explain it to them like look all you gotta do is if you keep that horizon there and you figure out where you're le- you're straight level at everything's gonna be so much easier and i know this frustrated lee because he'd always tell me look out the plane look out the plane and my response was i'm gonna be an instrument pilot so if i'm already ahead of the game by looking at the plane all the time why don't yeah. i look out but it does right. help you to look out with everything steep turn slow flight whatever yeah, I don't know if right now, if I could go do, well, first off, you know, I'm flown it like Scott and I, we just did his flight review on a 150. And that's the most recent GA airplane I've flown is a 150, even other than the flight review. And I couldn't go knock out a VFR. Like looking out the window, it would be a mostly instrument maneuver for me. I don't have the sight picture. We talk about sight picture with landing so much. When we start talking about like check ride mode, the things, the performance maneuvers that we're tested on, that needs, what's the FAA want you to be looking at? Like 90% of the time, right? 
Yeah, I teach 80, 20, or 80, 10, and 10. So 80% looking out, 10% looking at your instruments, uh, or 80% looking for traffic, 10% looking at your instruments, and 10% looking at where you're going. You know, it's not going to be 80% all at one time. It's you split all that up. Let's say 80, 20, 20, or 80, 10, 10. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So you, it's just, it's kind of a, it's not an instrument scan. It's just kind of a overall overall scan. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, different looking, scan. Is there a bird coming? Is there a plane coming? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, th- and that's wise. You know that that's wise to do that. You're it's an all encompassing scan, so you're not missing or omitting anything. You can maybe nail that maneuver, but if you whack a bird in the middle of it or have almost a a, a near mid air collision or something, yeah, how great was that steep turn? You know. So yeah, no, that's very very wise. I um I don't like I said I I don't know if I could knock out a knock out a VFR just visual looking out the airplane steep turn right now within standards I bet you I couldn't I know I, I couldn't well yeah you oh, haven't flown see, in how long two or three years since I started the podcast yeah okay I'll be honest steep turns I, I am the worst at I'm the worst at steep turns um I nailed know, I the steep turns right away in my last flight review what about a go round how's that yeah, how'd the go arounds go, Scott? <laughs> I was kidding because I definitely didn't. I definitely did not nail the steep turns, but the go around was fine. But there, it wasn't necessary to do. They never are. The first one you went around on your the, own, completely on your own. We were going to anyways, and you went around on your own. Yeah, because you from way high, from like eight hundred feet, and then we had to go do it again. Yeah, because well, okay. But you were going to make me do it anyway. Yeah, but that didn't even count. And you had so much energy. It wasn't stupid. It wasn't even a go around. There was no skill involved. Well, whatever. Well, that well, that's the whole point of testing a go around. Yeah, go around. I'll be I'll be one hundred percent honest. I have never ever done a go around. Ever. Yeah. Like on purpose. Like a like a like 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 that you needed to do. Yeah. No, I, I never. I, Never had to because I was taught by Lee, so it'll never happen to me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right, right, That's right, a right, good, right. It's a good bumper sticker. Um, so many things I would do differently. I mean, God, I mean, where to even go with that? I would, so, oh, I'd do so many things differently. Also, it'd probably end up you having like 120 hours before you got, you know, your license, <laughs> which is so, like yeah. you can't do that. That's the problem. If you well, had like 80 or 90, airplane. I think. Well, and that, well, yeah, but you had a ton of solo time. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah. that like doesn't I had, like, count. So like twenty, but it was all, it was all right. solo time. Yeah. So that doesn't that doesn't count. That stuff you guys racked yeah. up on your own, and that was not for nothing. No, I think that if you want to cut that down, I like you said, one hundred twenty hours. But whatever the hours are, you can actually cut them down by basically chair flying. You know, and not even chair flying. Um, so one of the things I teach with, like a rec, uh, in the pattern, I'll say, go ahead and draw the pattern out, and then. While you're you're flying, you're just gonna go up and say, okay, I'm downwind. And I, I get that I still have this from Lee. It's um he made a script and it was on calls. And so I still have that script. I updated it a little bit, uh, changed the tail numbers around. And so what I'll have my students do is I'll say, listen, if you're driving, you're going to your house, you're turning down your street, and most of the streets are square, you know, where people live at. I go, make one of those your downwind, one of those your base, one of those your final turn, and make those calls out turning downwind, turning base, turning final. And that's what I did because uh, I worked for a fire department full time. So we'd be going to the station. And as we go to the station, I'd call, you know, the guys are like, what the hell are you talking about? 
but it was able to help me with my downwinds. And it's basically chair flying. So that'd be, you mm-hmm. know, another thing that's going to cut your hours down is just coming there prepared for your lesson, chair flying, any other possible watching videos, you know, on different things from different. Um, I know you guys don't watch a lot of anything on aviation, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. So you don't have to spend a ton of money on the lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, there's stuff to watch. You guys, I think, was it just, yeah, it was just this today's podcast. You were talking about the wings program. Um, yep. There's another one, you know, they can do the wings, they can earn credit for it, but they also learn a lot of stuff that's going to help them. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're basically saying when you, when you decide that you want to go take lessons, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're kind of saying is if you, when you make the decision, I mean, it is a, it's a much bigger commitment than just monetarily. Like you're saying, immerse yourself, become a true like student of like the art of flying. Is that kind of, I mean, my... Right. No, or 100, what are you saying? Yeah, hundred no, 100%. You know, they'll come up, they'll say, hey, what's the cheapest way I can do this? Well, the cheapest way you can do this is, and I know this came up in a, a previous podcast with you guys, is do at least two lessons a week, you know. Um, you were do doing two, two a day. Do you remember doing well, that? I know. I, I was, heck yeah. So <laughs> You're, He's like a machine. I, this dude was nuts. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know if I can handle enough of you in one day. No, you, no, you're absolutely right. And that, and that actually helped me, you know, get through that. But, you know, if the student comes there and they're like, Hey, what can I do when I go home? Okay. Listen, you need to go home and you need to sit there. I, I always, here's the thing I always have them do the first day too: take a picture of the instrument panel and then <laughs> learn that six pack, learn what this, what these items do. So it's in your mind, you know, and, and it was another thing Lee did taught me touch everything. You know, that way you're getting that muscle memory. Hey, here's the carb heat. This is going to be for my VOR. This is my radio frequency. Uh, listen, ATC live, you know, here's that script. Practice that script with a, a family member, you know, learn mm-hmm. how to make your calls, yeah. you know, and that's going to cut your time down. That's going to save you money, you know? Yeah. Cause it frees so up like when you're actually in the airplane, like you don't think about it, but th- I mean, this is what you're saying is you don't have to put that much like hard drive space towards doing those things. You've practiced them so much. It just comes out like muscle memory, making the calls. You don't have to free up or you don't have to devote any faculties that would take away from flying the airplane to make that radio call. You don't have to sit and think for 10 seconds. You've been saying it in the car. You've been saying it, you know, sitting at the dinner table or in your, your chair and, you know, in the living room. I, I think that's huge. You can't, and it's free, right? Oh yeah, exactly. Um, another thing is I, if it's a, if it's someone that's like, um, uh, sometimes for, you get a lot of high school kids that are coming that want to do it. And, um, I'll have them say, Hey, for, you know, if for a lesson, have your parent come along, you know, if you, if they're not nervous and sometimes you get the parent that all of a sudden they want to fly or the parent can go home and they can study and say, Hey, listen, if you remember your instructor said this and it, that all comes down to maturity too. Cause then sometimes you get the student whose parents are pushing to do it and they really have no interest and no yeah. matter how much you do, they're not going to, you know, learn it. Yeah. Right. Right. On the opposite end of it's definitely not cheaper, but it, it ties into like the chair flying. I think it helped tremendously that Scott and I, obviously we talked about this many times in the show before it's, we think it's more obtainable for a lot of people than people maybe think, but still not obtainable for everybody is to have your own plane. But Scott and I learned oh, yeah. our own planes and yeah. just 
like if it was a, if you had something scheduled and you're going through a flight school and it gets canceled, it's just canceled. You just don't do it. But in my case, anyway, if something got canceled, I'd still be like, oh, I'm still have the block of time. Um, I'm, I still go to the airport and I'll putz around in the hangar, you know, cleaning the plane or tweaking with stuff. And I'm there in the cockpit. Like you said, touch everything, you know, memorize where everything is at. Just spending that time with the craft, even if yeah. you don't own it, if you can somehow, um, we, we get questions about like line service, like working line service um, and then exchanging that for like rental time. That's, you got to look at the numbers. I, I forget what we concluded off of that, but I think of value I just thought of on doing that is you're around the aircraft, you're cleaning those aircraft all the time. That's huge. Like to just like cleaning an airplane is like, it's almost worth like offering to just clean the rental plane for the school once in a while, just so you can just have that time and just slow down and really check it out. I don't know. I, I just, I got to know the airplane so well from, from detailing it over the years when I had it. You're also, you're also networking. So, um, one of our line guys, yeah. I have to do my uh, proficiency for my instrument for my six months, and I'm going to take him along as my safety pilot. So just from him being around the aircraft and doing that, now he's going to get he's going to be able to count that time towards his, you know, his his time. You know, he's a private pilot, and uh, he's going to get some time just because you know he was working around planes, he was cleaning the planes, you know, and just he networked, he met me. I went ahead, I was like, you know what, I'm going to help this guy out. You know, he gets an hour and a half of flying time. That's not going to cost him anything. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, th- those, yeah, there are those connections, which, op- I mean, just opportunities. I mean, if you want to be in flying, where are you going to get the opportunities? At the damn airport. So somehow you got to get there if you want to collect these opportunities. You can't go to like, I mean, obviously you need to weigh your financial position, blah, blah, blah. But for the individuals I'm thinking of, you know, maybe college students, whatever, if you want to collect opportunities to fly, you know, that's the direction you want to go. You got to go where those opportunities are, where those connections can be made. That's the airport. You might have some at Starbucks or Target stock in a shelf. Not likely though. The airport, they're definitely there. But like, I think what Rob was talking about is like, you're, you get you're there. You get your mind in the space. You're you're looking at an airplane. You're working on an airplane. Yeah, you can probably get your mind there washing your car or mowing your grass. Like, you definitely probably can. It's not the same. It doesn't keep the thought train going. Like, it doesn't spark, oh, like, the static wick. I never noticed that before. What's this thing do? Like, why do we have static wicks? And we just talked about static wicks. But it's like, it's it just keeps your mind in the space, which I think is one of the big benefits of having the multiple lessons in a week. You're revisiting the concepts more frequently and you're catching on like little tiny details that you didn't catch the first time. You're just hanging on by the tail on that first exposure. But if you just get it two days later, not seven days later, it's like solidifies and maybe a little bit of a, a difference you notice and you grasp just a little bit deeper at that concept. But then if you get up close and personal with the airplane, if you wash it, like if you own it and Rob's in Robin Scott's case, you know, it's like you, you go out there, you are mentally preparing and start, you start thinking, even though it might be subtle, you're thinking about that lesson. You're thinking about that drive to the airport. You're thinking about everything about flying hours before that lesson even takes place. How much you glean from that? I don't know, 
but you're you're yeah. definitely so if you if you if you think about it, your lesson may only be an hour long. You do that once a week, but you start thinking about it two hours before you go, the whole time you drive to the airport, and then in, on your drive home from the airport. So maybe your time thinking, spending your your concentrated time spending, you spend thinking about flying is maybe four hours on a lesson day, not just the one hour of the lesson. You know, oh, you definitely. do a, 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 so if you do that twice a week, you're talking, you might get like some quality, like thinking time on aviation, like up to maybe six or eight hours a week. That's a huge swing. I think, and it's, and most of it's free. True. Yeah. I had something, but I ran oh. out of mixer on my rum drink. So, oh God, <laughs> I kind of forgot what that was. Um, this is going south. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, um, one thing I thought of was with the connections and everything, I would literally be just, it'd be so windy. I'd be inside the hangar. Scott and I kept our planes tail to tail in this, in this one hangar that was right by the runway. I remember I was, it was too windy to fly. Cause it was like, yeah, it was like <laughs> 40, 50 knot crosswind. And I hear a J3 startup, you know, because I canceled my flight and I'm just cleaning. I hear this J3 engine. So I walk out the hangar, you know, I'm holding on to my hat and everything. And I see the J3, you know, going to do touch and goes in the in the 40, 50 knot crosswind. And I'm, you know, that was educational a little bit, I feel like. Yeah. Just, yeah. But to take that another for, step. You know, if you yeah. got wind like that, that, that J3 would be out there every time. But then I roll that into when we were line service, we'd obviously be, we'd be at work and it'd be crap days. And then there was an airline operation going on with small planes, like Archers and Pipers and Archers and Archers and Saratogas. <laughs> we uh, all knew what you meant, I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The four of us did, but nobody else does. <laughs> listening, so you're not you're you're not theorizing about the instrument stuff. Like you can actually see. Like it going on with minimum, like with minimums for that area on that type of operation. You know, you're seeing stuff going on the days when most people aren't flying, and I don't know. It just, it just gave this other dimension from working that line service and hanging out at airports and seeing seeing flight operations going on that mm-hmm. I was not yet qualified to participate in, mm-hmm. but just. Being around it and seeing it and knowing the guys and sometimes gals doing the operations, it, it just all made it seem more real to me and like not this theorized thing. Yeah. Well, you, you three also had the opportunity where you worked at, you could see what an engine looked like tore apart. Yeah. You know? Because they had mechanics there and you could see, oh, okay, this is the flaps, this is the linkage. This is what's, you know, what's controlling this. This is what's controlling that. So you're getting in debt with that. But I totally agree with what you guys are talking about. Um, you've got that plane. Um, you're invested in it. You're, you know, you just have it there for your, for you to go ahead and sit in it one day or, you know, sit in it, look at the instruments or, you know, you're, you're running your hand across. It's like, oh, here's this little dent. Is that going to, you know, is that too much? I mean, think about every time when you first started flying. And it's like, oh my God, is that little dent? Is that going to take my plane down? Do I need to talk to someone? You didn't know, you know, or frost or, or things like that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you see the little dent on a rental and it's like, okay, 
it's probably okay because it looks like <laughs> yeah. it's been there for a while and nobody said anything. Whereas if it's like your own plane, it's okay. Every little nick and dent and you know blemish on the entire plane, I've had a conversation with my IA about it. And like he's explained it to me. Like I remember, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. It's more... It's more do, comforting. Do your own annual, like that. That's that's a big thing too. Yeah, if if you oh, yeah, you plane. get to know the plane inside can. and out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, you can't if you don't have an IA. If you're not an IA, you can't do your own annual. But you know what I mean. Ain't assist in your own annual. If you don't have a your own plane too, it's difficult yeah. to well yeah. to do that as well. Um, yeah. Try to steer this back on track, unless you had a poignant thing you were about to say, Lee. I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, nope, fleet, I thought fleet, I thought we were pretty close to on track. I don't I don't know. I didn't know we were fleet, on track. Fleeting probably, thought. I'm probably gonna bail pretty soon. But oh yes, my god! It is nine o'clock. Nine o'clock uh, on the dot. F a r a i m at scottboris.com. B o r e s. Be sure to explain to him. Send him articles about grown men who have uh, sleeping disorders. If you find them, go on WebMD. Hey, send him some hey, links. Some, some people have to get up um, at four AM. Also Scott, if you're if if you're in Chicago right now, it's only eight o'clock. So also work well, I'm, issues. I'm in, uh, I'm in Ohio, so yeah. Also overworking yourself. Um Scott is the only person on this recording who has one hundred percent over his schedule. So when he says I have to be up at four o'clock, like no, it's not really but, but accurate that's not to say actually that. Actually true. Yeah. He says, okay. He says I have control Bye, over Scott. my schedule. It's nine oh one. It's nine oh one. Yeah, it's past. Now it's so, a minute past my bedtime. Yeah, you can't yeah. be you can't be wasting any more time, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> bye I, bye. I, Leave I, your okay, browser Scott. up. Leave your Scott. browser up. Leave your browser, guys, browser up. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh God. <laughs> They're still listening. Good night, Scott. All right. Good night. Good night. So, Good night, guys. <laughs> you and hitting stop. leave. I'm hitting leave. Go. It's not doing anything. Well, leave that's good. Just walk, just walk away. Just walk. No, away. hit. Leave, please. No, we don't need cats. We don't need cats, buttocks coming up <laughs> to your microphone. This is not. This is going to take some editing here. Definitely. Okay. There thank, we go. It worked. Thank God. So, <laughs> yeah. Back to the point um, where Jeff had said, kind of the rundown that you gave him on his first lesson. Lee, I, th- I found this interesting. With is what do you want to do with this? And so we kind of danced on the more career pilot route uh, so far in this episode. But mm-hmm. what what are the other tracks? And then, Jeff, you, you say you asked this question as well now. What are the different tracks you guys see? Like, I got some assumptions, but I'd just be curious, other than career pilot. Well, I, I guess Lee's point was, or do you just want to be a private pilot? Um, do you just want to go up there? Do you just want to be the guy that gets his private pilot and just fly around? You know, uh, that's, I hope this doesn't change the subject a little bit. That's another thing I see. I see people get their private pilot and then they don't do anything with it. They don't fly for two years until it comes time, you know, or maybe they don't, they come back four years later. They spend all this time and money in that instead of go out there and just making an adventure, you know, fly to Niagara Falls, fly around the, uh, the falls, New York City, you could fly the Hudson Corridor, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, so different paths you could do. That was his thing. It was like, okay, are you just, do you just want to be a private pilot or are we going to put some, make some of this private lesson part of your instrument training too? So, you know, you're, 
I, that's what I try to do with my students too. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to become a career pilot, here's some ideas. Let's do more night training because you're going to need that night training along the way, you know? Mm -hmm. So even though it requires three hours or whatever, let's do maybe 10, you know? Oh, let's do more instrument stuff along with it because you're going to go straight into your instrument right after this, you know? But if there's a person says, I just want to learn how to fly. It's always been just something I want to do. Then, you know, you just do just the private pilot stuff. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I just sometimes I have to get this stuff out of my mind or I'll forget it. But like, if you know, the question is important because if you know they're just going to go roll right on into their instrument, their commercial, whatever, the hours don't matter. Like, you're going to spend it on this rating or the next rating. So if we, you know, do some more in nighttime or more instrument or more instrument time or instrument time at night, whatever, you know, put them together. It doesn't matter. You're, you're, you need hours anyways. You know, if you're going to go get your commercial, eventually you need 250 hours. Well, so what is an hour now in this warrior or Cherokee or 172? What does that matter to you? Nothing. The only slight difference is, and this might bother some people, I don't think it would bother me, but, or, and I'd try to talk somebody out of it if it did bother them, is maybe when the PIC clock started, you know, because they can log, if, if before they're a pro, before they have their private, they can only log PIC when they're solo. You know what I mean? Other than that, the CFI is always PIC. If you get the right. private, then you can start that clock a little bit sooner. And then when, you know, they can get dual received while acting PIC. Um, so I get that argument too. But like like you said, 10 hours at night or an extra three hours or five hours of instrument time, whatever, in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing if they're going to be a career pilot. They need the hours, get it in a likely cheaper airplane if possible. I think that that helps the overall the overall goal. True, but yeah, I don't know. I think there's also the f I don't know about this personally, but I've heard of this phenomenon. I want to see if you guys have seen this where the pilot's license is like just a bucket list item, and then once oh, they yeah. get the rating, they just have no interest, they like go do another hobby. Like you have another, you seen that a lot, Jeff? I mean, is that kind of what you're saying? That. Yeah, I've seen it a few times where they'll just say it's it's a bucket thing. I just wanted to get my. I also seen where people just wanted to solo, you know. That's all they wanted to do was, and I think that might have been what Lee was getting with me too. Was, hey, is this like a bucket list with you? You know, uh, do you just want a solo? And is that all we're going to work our way up to? You know, but I've also had students that like, hey, I just want a solo, but you built this rapport with them. The next thing you know, they're getting their private. You know, right. It's like almost be like a salesmanship and whatever. You, exactly. you develop you develop the relationship and the camaraderie with them. And that was an element of the whole deal of being an instructor that I did not understand or appreciate or anything. I don't know how I kind of missed that, but I totally did. I was I was too young, I had too much of a chip on my shoulder, too much I thought I had so much to prove and whatever and I, I don't know, but yeah, I have a lot of regrets with the way I handled a lot of things with students back then. Well, I'm still here, so worked out. Pretty yeah, good. well, I know. Yeah, but you are an atypical. Well, I seem to be surrounded with a bunch of crazy people, but you're an atypical <laughs> example of a student. You are an overachieving OCD. Like you're you're aggressive. 
You're very um, goal oriented. You're a, would you say that you're a type A personality? I'm not trying to make you like sound bad. I'm act, I'm trying to make you not try to make you sound good. I'm trying to paint you in an uh, accurate light. Are you a type A personality? I would you do, say? Uh, no, nah, I like to do a lot of different things. You know, I always like to be active doing, you know, juggling like 17 different things at the same time. Yeah. Like maybe okay. OCD. Yeah, yeah but you want to be when, deficit. Well, well, okay. So there's that. But when you pick a path, would you say that you are typically going to laser focus on that and kick the shit out of it? Would you say? Because that's oh, what I experienced with you. Like that yes. was like, oh, everybody else does one lesson every week. I'm going to do four lessons a week. You did. No. He did. Got like he did. You did your private in a month. Yeah, in one month. That's crazy. The only I did issue like eighteen months, I think. Well, yeah, and mine was longer than that too. But yeah, I mean, it's just it was it was fun. Like it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a goal. Jeff is very goal oriented like that, from what I know of you. That was like you put your mind to it. It's done. There's nothing stopping me. Like my I'm, my dad I'm just, calls I'm put it lollygagging. Well, yeah, calls well, it what? My dad calls it lollygagging. Was what I do. <laughs> well, I'll be like, I'll I'll pursue stuff, but I'll kind of like, eh, we'll we'll do this, we'll do that. I'll I'll get it eventually. <laughs> I'm not in a rush. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you weren't really in a rush. You're just like, I want it. So like, I have the time. I have the ability to do two lessons a day. I want to. I have the aptitude, the, 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 um, what do I want to say? You can retain the knowledge. You can, you have, you had the good hand-eye coordination. You could excel at it. And that seems to be kind of like your thing. Like you pick up something, you laser focus, you do it and you accelerate through it and get, you know, way up in like a high performing Oh, tier of that, of whatever that event is. That's, that's kind of what I see of you. And so you did your private in a month. And the only thing that, that, that I would not recommend for somebody to do that now going over it is you didn't see like the seasons, like not that like as a private pilot, it's like, Oh, you know, frost in the wings and you're going to go pick up ice and I am seeing, you're not doing those things necessarily, but it would have been good to see some cold weather operations for you at the private level. But, you know, because most people stretch yeah. it out over months and months and months. So they see at least some of that. And obviously, if I was a better instructor, I would have been like, okay, you're going to be like taking a check ride in like a week. Like it's July. I want to say like we were like in the summer, early, early summer, midsummer, whatever. Uh, we, we got done. Um, actually, it was like late summer because I wanted to fly the plane to my sister-in-law's house in Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving. And my check ride was like maybe, I don't know, a week before Thanksgiving or something like that. Because all I remember was like, hey, what happens if I fail this? And I never, luckily I didn't, but, you know, (laughs) it worked out. Got a long drive ahead of you. Yeah, no, but it worked (laughs) out. Interesting. I'm opening up my 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 electronic logbook right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look in this. I'm not fact checking you, but I'm making right. sure you're correct. All right. I oh. got an AOPA article up. Um, it says there are more than five hundred thousand inactive pilots in the United States, and I tried five hundred thousand to- inactive, inactive. Which I'm wondering how they define that. Um, I, I've done a brief research in it while I was drinking rum 
about 45 minutes before we started this, which is above average show prep for the Farian podcast. But uh, I, I couldn't figure out how they're getting that number and I couldn't find like, I know there's a stat somewhere on the FAA's website where it's like all of the active pilots, like the total number and where yeah. they kind of break it down more. Yeah. And I'm just curious how AOPA got that 500,000 inactive pilots number because it's got to be certificates obviously it's on the airman database and then um maybe it's uh, with medical certificates compared and like lapsed medical certificates yeah that would probably be the only way i can think of is lapsed medical certificate yeah because they're not tracking who's got an active flight review right yeah now. they could yeah they can never track that but like in my case i consider myself inactive right now but i still I still have, as far as the medical side of it, it's still valid as a third class, even though it's a second class. So is that, am I, am I in that list? Is the number higher? Or since I'm over a year since I passed this, since I did a second class, am I, is that considered expired, even though I have third class privileges I could be using? No, because it, you'd still be an active pilot. You just wouldn't yeah. have, you know, class two. Yeah. So I, I'm going to have to go with that. Um, but it's, it's technically uh, expired. Ex- expired. What's expired? My second class is expired, even though yeah. I can use it for third craft. Third it reverts to a third class. class. Yeah, it reverts to a third. So you still have privileges with your medical. Yeah, but it's still technically expired. No, it reverts to I, a third class. No, no I, I understand that. But I thought the legalese was, because I got into a discussion, I thought it was on the show. Um, it could have been outside the show where... It's um, it's it's still technically, it's called expired, but it's you can still use it for the privileges of the lower rating, of the right. lower so class medical. I was so I had I've always had a second class medical, um, but if it expired, I can still instruct in a third class medical. Yeah. So even though expired, so I still have the privileges. So you would still have the privileges to fly. You'd still be legal. You just wouldn't yeah. be legal if you if you required like if you were flying part one thirty five and it required a second class medical you would not be legal for that but you no. would be legal to fly your own plane correctly Correct. yes um I almost I am I I'm looking at my logbook here to see when we started flying oh, we're we're uh, we we forgot about that already anyway, oh no no that's I'm important just curious. because hold on really quick your well you can edit this out Rob but it's important to me. Your your and my first lesson was on the, the my son's birthday, which is actually very cool to me. Okay, just saying. Okay, I mean it doesn't whatever. You know, it's it's so interesting. What, I don't know which what part are we <laughs> debating here? When I finished or so you started the first lesson we did was on uh, July twentieth. Okay, and if you got done in a month, which I might be full of shit, it was. I think it was longer because I know it was in November. Really? I think. I think. Because I know we went right in your instrument. Because I'm like looking right here. I I didn't oh. have my answer because I joined Blue Horizons Flight Club out of Toledo and I used oh, their I plane to that. fly to New York. Okay. So, and then I was with them in order to get my instrument because it was cheaper for me to join a flight club. So yeah. I had this thing back in the day where I figured out what was cheaper running versus this, versus this, and always based on how many hours you need to fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find your check ride. 
I don't know if I put it in here. Well, I mean, yeah, regardless. Yeah, no, I'm into October now. We were still flying, but it's like, was that instrument time? So I'm trying to figure out. Because like, obviously, I didn't keep my logbook. It could have been, I. it could have been on my logbook. It could have been simulated IMC for you, which I wouldn't log in my logbook, obviously, because you were the one under the Correct. foggles or something. So Correct. like, I can't necessarily see where we transitioned from your private pilot license to the um, instrument rating. It, so it, it wasn't completely right away. Cause I was at blue horizon started flying there. And then I came back over to you to get it. Cause I had someone over there that was trying to teach me. He was an instructor and I was like, eh, I'm going to Lee. So I left. Yeah. No inconclusive. Yeah. Sorry about that little uh, seven twenty. That's inter- That's super cool to me though. But yeah, I don't know. I'd have to, we'd have, you'd have to look in your logbook and we'd have to cross It'd be interesting to see how accurate of records I kept on my logbook. But oh man, sorry, Rob. Where'd we go? Sorry, buddy. Yes, Rob. You're, gonna, sp- you're supposed to direct us, Rob. I'm going to cut this out and and put it after the uh, the outro music, um, or just delete it all. Just where shit were all we? Over it. I I make these decisions <laughs> in post after I listen to it a few times. Um, when you have a clear head. No, there's yeah. no alcohol. Less you know. El Dorado. Whole session. Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe you will. Um, I I had a good way to cut this back in, but I kind of forgot. Oh, we do have people from the AOPA who listen to this program. So if you know how you guys get the numbers, all right, email me, text me. You know who you are. Um, you'll know. You'll know how you got that number. Oh, back to the medicals reverting. Okay, so you get a second class. When the two years is up, you still have flying privileges. Correct. Right? Yes. Is it two years? Is it yes, two years? Yes, I, think yes. I can't remember. I do a first class. It's good for a year. You know, I like. I don't so know you, your guys' podcast is actually like uh, flight or flight club. Um, my one of my students was at the gym listening to your podcast. There was a guy working out there. Was like, hey, I listen to that same podcast. It's like made up of different people. They could be a waiter, a weightlifter, whatever. So it's like Fight Club. You guys are like an underground thing. You got a huge following. There's people at the gym? <laughs> at the gym, listen to this podcast. And they ran into each other. They ran into each other. That's incredible. That is incredible. I need we do to have anal- a drink for that. We do, have a, we do have analytics that are somewhat heavy in Northern Ohio, uh, the viewership. <laughs> I, I wonder why that is. But yeah, yeah. No, that's super. It's I mean, what, that's what, super what's cool. What's Scott going to say next? That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what we're wondering all the time too. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, I think it reverts to second class, third class. You still got the privileges. I doubt that would count because how they don't know how. Maybe they know. It's. It'll be interesting to see what AOPA says. I see those kind yeah. of stats, how many total pilots there are at what certificate level, blah, blah, blah. And they'd say there's 500,000 inactive pilots. How can you define inactive? They know when you get a medical, it's good for, you know, a, well, there'd be a lot in that because where's the birthday fall? When does it get, you know, turned from a, you know, six or a one year medical to a six month medical or one year to five years or whatever they are now? There's a lot going on there, so that would be interesting to see how they do go find that out. Yeah, and even if I had a say, it's been years and years and years since I've um, had a medical, uh-huh. and it's 
not even third class privilege not even third class privileges like are available to me anymore off of that i still maintain a current cfi certificate so can i go do a flight review with somebody who has not yet lapsed because they have a good medical they're current they can be pic that's legal right i believe that it is I think it is. Not yeah. 100% sure. Yeah, I'm not so 100% either. But could I, could I still fall into the active category because that, I'm but that's retaining an, an active CFI? That's an yeah. instructor certificate, not a pilot certificate. Okay. No, we're splitting hairs, but yeah, I would, they do differentiate between the two. That's why well, yeah, it's on two no, different yeah, cards. There's not much, yeah, there's not much hair splitting on that one because there are two different certificates. So. Yeah. so, Rob, every 24 months you get your instructor certificate re- Yes. Okay. So I just, I re-up it. It's an online course, the FIRC, Flight Instructor Renewal course online. Clinic. Yeah, I think, this, yeah. So I use, I usually, usually use Gloom Glam Gleam. Um, and then I tried the Kings the last few times. I was going to try Sporties and the software could not work. So they refunded me my money and I, I went back to Kings this last time because I want to try a different one. But anyway. Huh. Yeah, it'd be good to get the Sporties one. I've only seen Sporties on their like private pilot courseware. I had a login year, uh, like in 2018. They redid all the courses since I went through it. It's all online now. They get better. Yeah, they're better. Yeah, that's good. Then I saw on the yeah, DVDs I, I, I used had the private pilot one, the yeah. Sporties one, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. For I'm your saying, students yeah. to learn the ground. Yeah, I'm. I'm, well, I'm texting Lee something here real quick. Yeah, I, uh, I use that for my students or my, I just, you know, myself just to, you know, I guess you're always learning, you know, you don't want to, you don't want the student to be smarter than yourself, you know, and there's always new stuff. There's always something that's changing, you know. You'll never know it all. I mean, but some not like, I mean, yeah, you can find all the answers and stuff, but man, I mean, it's just like, how many sources do you need to go to? to get an answer that works for the way you think. Cause like, I find that like just on anything else, not even aviation related, like how do I do this? And it's like the first, like the best result, the top result is not always the way that makes me understand what's going on. So, I mean, it's tough. It's quite a conundrum to be a CFI and try to sift through. Like you were talking about Tony. It's like, there are people with a wealth of knowledge, 20,000 hours of flying time with 18,000 hours of dual given. They're a wealth of information. And it's your job as a student to kind of sift through the experience from exactly. the eccentricities, perhaps. You know what I mean? Like, no, you need all these absolutely right with that. And But th- they're probably worth dealing with the eccentricities or the BS stories because in there, there's a nugget of truth. And the next statement after that might be a hundred percent factual. You may have to, you don't want to be in a position where maybe you feel like you have to fact check the person afterwards, but is the story they tell you going to make you safer or not? You know what I mean? That's kind of, that's kind of really where it ultimately is it black and white correct well that's one thing but does it make you safer or not you know i got something going on at work right now where it's like well there's this you can do this thing and oh it's so much easier to catch this i'm like well my question was is it easier or is it safer 
because that that is important, you know. So, yeah, I cut you off there. I apologize. Go ahead, man. No, no. So, yeah. So I was I went to do I checked out a plane in Vegas. I wanted to fly over the Hoover Dam. And the place I checked it out at, it was like, I don't know, an hour and a half checkout, whatever. So the instructor that was with me was like, hey, we're, if you want to, we could just fly right off the ground, you know, along the desert because it's legal. Well, so I, well, I didn't do it. But then I was like, is he testing me to see if I would do it? Or was he just a cowboy that was like, hey, let's go ahead and do this thrill, you know, I don't know. Are we going to hit a power line that low to the ground? I don't know. Maybe. So I ended up not doing it, but you know, there was an instructor right there that was like, Hey, why don't we try this? And I, at the time I wasn't sure, was it to see if I was, if I had bad judgment and they were going to say, Nope, you're not taking this plane out. Or was he just crazy? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. We'll never, we'll we'll never know, I guess. That's interesting. because I mean, they do that stuff because they probably see that a fair amount, right? So they probably have like their little tips and tricks like how to weed out crazies. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Huh. I uh, I did a banner toe interview uh, right around the time I got my CFI certificate down here in Florida. And it's this was with a company different than the one I was – I actually towed banner for for a short stint. But part of the checklist, I think we were in a 172 or 182 equipped banner thing that they used for training. And we were out over the Everglades and doing a bunch of maneuvers and stuff. And I mean, I was I was either days away from taking my CFI check ride or I had done it within a few days. So I was just at my peak of flying skill. Very sharp, sharp, like <laughs> with the maneuvers and everything. So the everything was just a breeze for me. Bro, then, okay, yeah. Just yeah, just keep telling me how great it was, how great you are. Yeah, no, it was pretty awesome back then um, okay. for like that, that three-week period. After that, it went all oh, downhill. Okay. okay, okay. But anyway, for like for Banner Toad, like it's kind of a loose operation, most of those, as far as who they'll have come in. So I was like easily past all that stuff. And then he's like, part of the checklist was like, how easily do I scare? And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So we went down in the Everglades and basically, we he was putting it the wheels like in the cattails of the Everglades Swamp, like the gear was hitting the top of the cattails, and then doing turns where we'd have gear in the cattails and a wingtip in the cattails, uh, and then he basically was having me do it, so I did it, and uh, so. Scott and I have a fair bit from back in the day, like not that low, but like lower proximity flying on like over Lake Erie, like 500 feet from persons or property or more. And so I was fairly okay with that kind of stuff. And then we were basically doing like these maneuvers where we'd come right up to like a, there's clumps of trees, like little wooded areas next to the glades where you'd, basically come up to those and then pull right up to go up over the trees and stuff, which I just thought was insane back in the day, but like to do that. But after I did banner towing, like for another company, like that kind of maneuver, if you're a banner pilot somewhat, you know what you're doing, but it was, it was just shocking to me. Um, And that was during an interview for a job. They wanted me to do that, uh, to fly their, their planes. Again, this is a different banner company than we've mentioned me 
working for in the past. That that company did not do anything like this. They were they were pretty reputable. Yeah, smart choice not going with that other one. <laughs> right, no kidding. How much do you glean from an interview like that? How easily do they scare? It's like it's like <laughs> I don't know if that is a one-for-one one or direct correlation to your decision-making, your aeronautical decision-making, you know, risk tolerance. I don't think I don't think that quite works. Well, I just say the the banner tow company actually towed for for a couple of months. They they during the interview, he I forget who, which instructor did it. There was a guy and a girl. One of them during the interview, we simulated a banner pick which is very unnerving. It's like an aerobatic maneuver where you're right above the ground, like basically diving towards the ground and then pulling up so that you can pendulum affect your grapple hook through the loop your ground crew set up for you. So it's pretty unnerving. So they would do that and they didn't order like how easily you scare. They're just like, hey, let's go do a few of these like to make sure you are comfortable with that because like we've done we've not done this on interviews and we start to train people who we've hired and they're like they do that and they're like no I'm out. So like right. we'll lose people on the interview like they'll they'll check out all right and they think they want to do it and then we show them that maneuver to actually pick the banner and he says we lose like 30 40% of the people we would have hired at the end there because they're just yeah. like uh I didn't know that's what was going on like yeah. no I'm out. Yeah, it makes so, sense. I thought that was a more realistic way to the quote unquote scare easy is to show them like kind of what they're actually doing, where I guess the other company's method, if you can do that crap, the pick probably wouldn't have bothered them at that point. So maybe that's why they're doing it. I don't know. I guess. But off track for sure. Uh, (laughs) Valuable. I mean, this, uh, yeah, I I would say it's somewhat valuable. What people are getting into. Yeah. I think people that are listening to this, who knows where they're going. They're thinking, I need to build hours. What am I going to do that's going to pay me the most while I build hours? Maybe it's banner towing. Yeah, no. And Rob, you are the conductor of this train wreck, so it's you're probably No, I, I pitched. This is Lee's <laughs> operation tonight. Lee coordinated. Yeah, right. you're, you're the first guest Lee has coordinated and handled everything. He picked the topic, so this is all Lee's. That's why I drank a couple before I even started. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done I'm that gonna... since season one. <laughs> well, and I need to go get some more. I'm out. I had three right here, and they're all gone. Mr. Griffin, you had more points we could continue into. Well, one of the things that I wanted to, to ask was, Jeff, as a... Well, I guess I don't know how poignant this is maybe to the podcast, but this is just like for me personally... What was maybe the top one, two, three, ten things that you wish you would have learned? Jeff, you there? Yeah, I had to plug my computer back in. No, no problem. No problem. No problem. What are the maybe one, two, three, ten things that whatever that, that I could have done better as an instructor? Not going to hurt my oh, feelings. Boy. Maybe it's one thing. Maybe it's like one thing off the top of your head. Maybe it's 10 things. Like, ah, you should have done this. This You didn't Te- do this. Teach me a forward, sl- a forward slip. Okay. That would have okay. been one. Um, okay. So, I, I mean, you know, 
God, that was like, what, 11 years ago? Yeah, so that would have been 11 years ago. Um, I mean, I mean, as an instructor, there's going to be stuff. So there's almost like a fail-safe there. And you guys, when you were instructing, it was there too. Um, someone does a mock check ride with you. And Ryan's my guy I go to. Ryan Echoes, uh, island legend as we know it. But he's my <laughs> check ride guy, uh, my check ride guy. And he catches stuff that maybe I missed during my part of the training. Now, what I've done, and I'm, I don't know if you did this, Lee, but I have a, a list of stuff that needs to be covered. And as we go through it, I mark it down. So then that way I know I hit it, you know, and then I'll try to come back. I'll try to hit all that stuff. And then we'll just come back and we'll work on the stuff that's hard. And like another thing you taught me on taking written tests was get a notebook. You get something wrong on a mock test, like a written test, write down the the ones you got wrong, the answers or the question and the answer and just have that booklet. So then you would, st I would study that before my check rides or whatever, or before my written test mm -hmm. or failed written test. So, um, so yeah, for you, it was a, a forward slip. Mm-hmm. Trying to think about else. Oh God, it's mm. such a long list. I'm sure. I know. <laughs> no, no, I knew nothing back then. I mean, like now, I almost don't even know where I'd start because my my idealistic nature would definitely get the best. Like when I go to teach my son or daughter how to fly, they'll probably never get a license because I'll never think that they're ready. Like I want them to know every little thing that I know and it's just it's not possible. So I think about that a lot and how I would tackle it if I were right now thrust into a situation where I had to teach somebody teach st students for a living. I don't know how I would like let go like when is good enough good enough like pass a check ride but my perception that's the mode I was in back then. Now I'm in the mode of like you know, be safe, which my tolerances for what is safe have probably changed maybe. But yeah, I just, I feel like I sent, you know, students ill-equipped for like the big picture, but that's where the question on that intro lesson comes from. What do you want to do with the license? That totally dictates kind of the whole track, the whole path for this license. Can we gloss over this? Can we do we need to hammer this home? Can we burn some hours here because I know you need hours? Whatever, like we talked about. But the what I would do now d differently, I don't even know where I would start with a student, to be honest with you. Yeah, but I mean, I'm a completely different instructor than I was from the beginning, you know, because you you learn things as you're going along. You're like, okay, this isn't working. Let me change to this. Let me mm -hmm, go, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, did you guys have to make out the instructor uh, handbook or whatever? Did you guys have to do that when you guys what went do you through? Mean? What do you mean? Like uh, a lesson, not a lesson, I don't know, was it? For like your CF, for your check ride? No, if you have for your CFI, for like your oral, you had to make this booklet of like, I guess maybe it was like your lessons, your lesson plans. Yeah, lesson plans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that you get that whole book, and then it's after that, you're kind of like, eh, I'm not going to use this. I'm going to, you know, no. you're going to change no, you're not going to use that. You learn, yeah, you learn different things, different techniques. Yeah, you didn't, that are, when, that you, when you wrote that, you didn't know shit. You were parroting exactly. stuff you were told. It has no relevance in the real world because when you give somebody that black and white stuff and like they're not getting it, what are you going to do? Just keep saying the same thing? No, you got to get creative, think outside the box and go maybe in a circuitous route perhaps, but get to the point where the synapses are connecting. You know what I mean? You got to get the point across. 
So here's a question. So a lot of stuff comes from uh, talking about is about experience. So for you two, here's a question for you two. Is there something that you've done as a private pilot that was probably one of the dumbest things you've done that you can talk about? Oh, yeah. Like, okay, I, go ahead. I can't talk about much. I'm a professional pilot. I can't talk about much because I jeopardize my career. Well, I mean, I mean, so like maybe a bad choice. Okay. So yeah, one of my every bad single choices day. was, well, no. <laughs> so, um, I flew a Cherokee 180. Uh, we've, it, we flew it from Lorain, Ohio to, uh, Alaska mm-hmm. and we fought the Alaska highway. Holy and cow. We landed where we landed at. Um, I can't think of the name of the airport, but it was a checkpoint. It was when you first get into Alaska. So you had to meet customs there. So this airport had no fuel. Customs says we're not coming out. They allowed us to go to uh, Fairbanks, which we weren't going to be able to make. And we said, "Listen, we can't make it that far. We don't. We got to stop for fuel." They said, "Okay, you stop for fuel." The ceilings came down. Um, we found the nearest airport was along a river, and in our mind, we said, "Well, we'll just follow the river because we're not going to hit a mountain." Uh, the maps we were we we're well above if there was any lines coming across. What we didn't think of is what if there's another plane doing exactly the same thing, but coming from the opposite direction. And now, you know, we put ourselves in a situation that, you know, was really stupid at the time. So this was, let's see, five, yeah, five years ago was that trip. So that was probably my stupidest thing as a, as a private pilot, you know, was making a bad decision like that. At the time we thought it was smart, you know, Hey, we'll follow the river. We'll get fuel because if not, we could have been stuck where we're at for days. So it was like, I don't know if it was like hurry up itis or whatever that, you know, whatever it was. But that get was the stupid. Itis, yeah. Yeah. Get it. Thank you. So. But so like when you have a situation like, I mean, I maybe you don't even remember, but like what altitude were you using? That's why I tell people like if you're since most people don't even understand the hemispherical rules, they don't know what altitude they become uh, pertinent. Like people like oh three thousand five hundred that's an eastbound no it's not thirty like around us thirty six yeah. thirty seven thirty eight hundred is when the hemispherical rules start so the first hemispherical rule altitude you could fly is four thousand five hundred for a westbound altitude in our area with a you know roughly six hundred feet ag six hundred msl uh elevation so Detroit sectional here Detroit sectional yeah for the most part so. The rules start at 3,000 feet AGL. So if AGL is 600 MSL, 3,600 would be the first, would be that 3,000 AGL altitude or uh, threshold. Well, that's not, that's not a VFR altitude, any direction you cut it. So 4,500, which is westbound, evens plus 500 is westbound. That's the first hemispherical altitude. But ever, around here, everybody will do 3,500. I've always been a proponent of fly. 2,700, 3,200, something that nobody else is going to fly. They're going to fly 2,000, 2,500, 3,000, 3,500. Fly something a couple hundred feet off, hold that as best you can, and chances are, unless somebody's like way off their altitude, which happens when you're out joyriding, but likely you have at least a little bit more margin, in my opinion. So like in that context, what were you guys doing Like when you're following that river did that come into play? Like, were you thinking about direction of flight and altitude and staggering? Like, what were you, you know what I mean? No, we were just thinking, uh, staying under the clouds because it was, it was a solid overcast. That was for sure. 
and not running into like so the original route was to follow Alaskan Highway and that was our out. Something goes wrong, we land on Alaskan Highway, things are good, you know. Yeah. Uh, but when the ceiling started coming down, that was no longer an option because as you know, the Alaskan Highway goes up, it goes down. But a mm-hmm. river, on the other hand, is pretty much flat. So we decided to do that. We decided to stay under the clouds. And uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say we were probably we we're probably a thousand feet AGL. So like mm-hmm. I said, it was it was stupid. It was like yeah. probably one of the things I could go back with a time machine. It would be not would be sit it out and wait it. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's that. Un- unfortunately, that's a lot of how we learn. It's tough because most of the times, you know, you you learn the lesson afterwards. You know what I yeah. mean? That's the problem with a lot of these aeronautical decision making choices we make, and you get to a point where, how conservative can you be and still get where you want to go? You know what I mean? Like when you're flying a little airplane that is relatively low capability. Even if you're an ATP and you got 30,000 hours and you're current in a 787, you that doesn't translate, that doesn't mean anything in a, in a Cessna 172 because the capabilities aren't there. So, yeah, it's that's that's tough. That's tough. That's what I think about. You know, when I get to the point where I go buy a, a small GA airplane and I want to go tour the country, it's like, am I ever going to get anywhere? Because I've been flying these jets and I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. I can pick up ice. I can thunderstorms. I can go around them. I can go above and blah, these blah, blah, blah. But then when I go get this little GA airplane, I don't have those options anymore. Am I ever going to get anywhere? And it's likely that I won't. You know, it's things I think about all the time. Don't John and Martha King have a saying of like, the the lesson is taught like, after you survive something, there's something along those lines of, a, of being a terrible way to learn, which was more prevalent back in the old days of aviation. Like you just scare yourself shitless. And then <laughs> is it something like, like you take the test and then you take, then you get the lesson or something like that? Yeah. It's something, it's something that like t- that, right? Yeah. Maybe it's not a test. I don't know, the, but I think no, people the, get what the, we're saying. The test comes first, and then you get the lesson afterward. After yeah. you pass the test, okay, or right. yeah, whatever. Sense. Yeah, I don't know. They either way, whether they said it or what. Yeah, right, right, right. I think everybody so gets Rob, the point since, we're making. Rob, since you're not a professional pilot, what's the dumbest thing or the something you think you you wish you could have changed that you might have done that right oh, now? I, looking, I can think of two. We've already talked about on the show. Uh, my. Commercial cross country when I was going to Indiana, I didn't realize you could hop the the two fifty stretch requirement. I thought you just had to shoot it, <laughs> whole thing at the same time. So I went to I think it was Indiana. I was going up to uh, Oshkosh area, Appleton. Not during the air show. I was just to visit a cousin who used to live up there. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do a big triangle. I'm going to go shoot this direction. It seemed good with the winds and everything. I can make the two fifty. 250 nautical mile stretch, one shot in my 150. The math made sense. I'll land with my 35 minutes of fuel, you know, calculation. I should be golden. And then I can shoot up to Wisconsin, visit my cousin for a few days and fly back. And so I basically, it's I'm doing the math and I got my, uh, my Sporties E6B, uh, electronic one. And I'm doing like, did a couple of recalculations like during the flight and I'm like, Okay, this stuff's 
kind of holding how I calculated. It all looks all right. And then my fuel gauges just kept going lower and lower and lower and lower. And like, I had never seen the fuel gauges that low on this plane before. And like, and it was, it was one of those things where I'm like, all right, I got some, I had a couple of outs where I'm like, all right, I should probably just land there and get fuel. I should probably land here and get fuel, but I want that 250. Um, and my calculation should be right. So even though like I, sh- I should probably get fuel, I need this 250 requirement. I'm just, my planning's right. You know, my math was right. I trust my math. I, I'll be fine. And it's just like, I landed with like hardly any fuel at all. Like it was the most fuel I ever, I, I forget exactly what it was. But it was it was less than the thirty minute reserve that I needed, um, and it was Yikes. yeah. Well, so, so I I just want to say you finish you get or you yeah once I know once you're in the air you can use that yeah. as far as your planning but like I really didn't like to like right. I'm pretty sure I forget what the plane took and I was like I have I think was it eleven gallons in each tank in the one fifty and I was like, like I feel. Yeah, I filled it up and it was like, I want to say it was over 20 gallons I put back in the plane, 100 low lead. I'm like, that's not, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, So that was one. And then the other one was like, I was going to Toledo, I think, or I was just trying to get around Lake Erie to go up to Michigan or something, but I didn't want to fly direct or something. I, I forget. But I wasn't paying attention to the, the quadrants on the sectional for the the obstacle mm. clearance on it and I end up in all those towers like going over towards Toledo like I'm just flying along at a thousand feet AGL which was dumb back in the day because I just like that was my default altitude was 1600 feet on the on the altimeter that's just where I flew everywhere it was at 1600 feet and all of a sudden I got like those towers that are almost like 2000 almost 2000 feet I believe once you go to over towards Toledo I want to say yeah, I don't know. They're yeah, high. There. Yeah. So all of a sudden I'm like in top like I'm in Tower City with guy wires everywhere. And I'm just like, oh shit. So yeah, I've I've told the story before, but like basically I tried to climb up and then like, okay, my nose is up. I can't see if I'm about to hit anything. So I put it back down and I'm kind of guessing where guy wires would be and bringing it around and Eventually, I think I slowed it up because I realized slower is better, gives me more opportunity to see stuff and more time to think about stuff. And I think I was dropping in, I might have dropped in some flaps so that I could climb full power with like four degrees of flaps. And that allowed me to keep my, my nose angle down so I could see what was in head, ahead of me and then, but still be gaining altitude. So I, I got out of that and Eventually, I came up to the tops of the towers, and like they were like right over there, like the tops of the towers, and I got out of there. So then, ever since then, I paid attention to the the uh, altitude quadrants on the sectional charts when I'm cruising around areas I'm not familiar yeah. with. Yeah, the maximum elevation figure is what you're yes, referring to. That is that yeah. is the correct verbiage there, so, Mr. Griffin. So those towers you're talking about in Toledo, um, this was when I was instructing out in the Cleveland area. I had to do a mock check ride for a student and I went over a sectional with him and I said, what are these? He's, you know, the symbols mountain. He said they were mountains. 
Oh. That's what those symbols were. I was like, wow. oh, you're not ready. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're not ready. You're not ready. <laughs> oh man, yeah. People don't pay that much attention to like the symbology. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's another thing to learn for sure. But it's like, so, yeah. But the but the answers are right there. I mean, if you look at oh, the yeah. index, oh yeah, just read there. the legend. Just read the legend. Exactly. People don't buy the paper charts anymore. They use the and they don't flight, want to. We hear never, that people don't want oh, to. Oh God, the hate mail we get for suggesting you purchase a paper sectional chart we want it. it's a story for another day um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know them when you're doing cross-country flying i mean you're stringing together if you're staying on one sectional it's even easier but look at your maximum elevation figures draw your plot your line look at your maximum elevation figures now that's going to be the highest altitude within that whole quadrangle so if you're not going to go right over top of it you could possibly go lower but if you want a quick plot a good altitude and plan a good altitude for your whole route of flight, look at your maximum elevation figures. Super simple. Or low and route chart. Yeah, if you're going yeah, if you're IFR, which you know, ends up being kind of the same con- same concept for the most part. Yeah. If you're off if you're off airway. Yeah. You know, which true. most place, I guess most people are probably going point to point anyway, is going direct. A lot yeah, of times, no. so they're off off airway. Unless you're doing it for like a rating where you want to stay, you know, check the box for airway stuff. But a lot of people are going direct. So yeah, you'd be looking like Jeff said, you'd be looking at what grid mora. I think minimum off route. Uh, minimum off altitude. No. Well, yeah, that's what that one. Be. I don't. Is it grid mora? I think it is. Minimum off route altitude. I believe it is. Or it's Aroka obstruction clear off route obstruction clearance altitude. I don't remember which one's which. I don't think about it. I, I like like I don't even when was the last time I plotted a high altitude or a low altitude and root chart? You just don't anymore. So it's a lost Well, it's not a lot I mean uh, I mean yeah, yeah, I guess I sound like crap because I'm supposed to know that stuff, but you're not flying the Leard forty like on those lower stuff where you got to know how high you got to keep it to not hit terrain. No, once you get out of the terminal environment, we don't look at anything. We look at climb yeah. gradients I'm close joking. into the airport. After that, pretty much nobody cares. There's, there's, yeah. You're in class A airspace. Like, yeah, anything above, you know, low and roots would be up to 18,000 feet. That's all low altitude. Then high altitude's 18,000 and above. And I mean, yeah, we're always. Occasionally, you know, we'll do some, like when we reposition the airplane, you know, we'll do lower stuff. And around, you know, northern Ohio, where we're repositioning short flights. There's no terrain to hit anyways. Yeah. All right. <sighs> I think I can get something out of that edit. Unless you guys okay. have another words of wisdom you want to add. I don't want to cut us short or anything. Well, I only got one thing out of Jeff of things that I that he wishes I would have taught him. Uh, all right. One. I can't. I mean... I can't think of anything. I know I put you on the spot, but I'm sure there was plenty glaring. Like I said, can't happen to me. I was taught by Lee. (laughs) Good. uh... (laughs) Anyway, uh, I think that wraps this one up. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jeff. Oh, anytime. Bye now. Bye.
Three, two, one. All right. Cut it, and I'll edit and finagle and whatever. I hope you get something out of that. Yeah. Should be oh, good. yeah. No, that's good. I mean, that's definitely oh, we, a good warm-up, I mean, for sure. We, we've recorded way worse than that, and I somehow <laughs> turned it into an episode, so it should be fine. Yeah, the, I think the, I like uh, what you guys are doing. I think well, we awesome. appreciate it. We need, but we need, we need the input. I appreciate the input. Rob appreciates the input refining oh, yeah. it because we, it's a, such a delicate balance because it's how much, I mean, it's way more successful than we thought it would be. Yeah. At, the, at I mean, this time are, period in. Yeah. And it's like, what, what aspect of the chemistry is making it successful? And it's like this balancing act. You want to be educational. The name of the thing is far aim. And it's like, it's just accelerating. Like you look at the analytics, it's just the whole thing is just accelerating. And it's like retention and how, you know, like what do people like? And everybody's in it for something different. And like you look at the emails that we get and it's like, it's crazy. Yeah, me. I get, I get, yeah, it's weird because I was, when League put his headset back on, I was about to say when you were talking about uh, like the regular guy aspect of the show. We're like the three of us are not like trying to get ourselves famous. Like we have goals and stuff with the show and the platform that we want to do that requires a certain level of audience to obtain. But like I don't really want to be famous like we're I'm going places and people recognize me or anything. But like we get emails and stuff and it's kind of just I don't know, it's weird. It like makes me feel awkward. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> very awkward. Yeah. It's like, like yeah, I'll get multiple emails a day, and it's like I can't, I can't keep up with this. I'm like trying to do seventeen different things, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's a weird, a weird thing we started. It is, yeah, quite an experiment for sure. I don't think, I don't no, think like it's... I said, I listen to most of my podcasts when I'm, you know, driving or you know, working out or whatever. So I think that's what the majority of the people do. You know, they're working out, put their headset on, it's something to listen to, you know, things like that. So that's um, so crazy yeah. to hear, like, hear that. Like somebody's going to the damn Planet Fitness, and they're pulling up the Farian pie. It's crazy to me. And then somebody else they're there with that they didn't know recognizes yeah. the show. That's nutty. That yeah. is that exactly. is really crazy. That is really crazy. I never heard of that something like that happening yet. No, well, yeah, but you have to talk to somebody else who's like, we have the privilege of Jeff being in the circle with exposure. Like yeah. he's, you know, what is it? Like the sixth, what is it? The sixth... What is it? Kevin Six Bacon degrees of separation. separation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like Jeff's another another degree of separation, and it just propagates out. So we're hearing now versus the inner the the circle. Like I don't know anybody else who listens to the show other than us. You know what I mean? Do, well, do you guys feel like you know? Like you said you didn't know where it was going to go. Do you guys want it to go like even more, or are you guys like? I mean, are you guys scared? Like now, is this too big or? We're looking for steady. I've always said as long as we have steady, consistent growth with the numbers, and I think we accomplished that by just honing the craft of of doing this and and getting better and better over time. And then as the years go on, have 
more time. Because I think right. we, we've gotten to the point where Lee and I, um, if we had more time, we could we could put into this. It, mm. it would probably be a lot better show. Much, but um, I mean, yeah, I, the the three of us are just strapped for time. Well, think about yeah. it, Jeff. I mean, you and I have corresponded. That's the amount of show prep I've done. And Rob only knew right before you signed on. And what he did like, like what we're even like anything. I like when you said the other day, just talking about kind of like common mistakes and people are away from flying and just like, that's it. Like that's all that I sent to him. And so it's like that. And that's kind of how we operate, which is not ideal, but at this stage in life with the two kids and like, I just got home. Like I just got home. We wanted to start at seven thirty. Yeah, I didn't get home till seven thirty. You landed at seven, didn't you? Or well, yeah, I landed at seven. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I, I want to say it was like I'm trying to think how many episodes it was when you did the live one, and I, I think maybe I signed up and Rob, I got the email and it's like I look forward to like I put stuff off if it's live because I think I've caught like maybe four of them yeah. to make it to watch the live episodes, you know. Sometimes yeah. I'm in my car and it's like, yeah, I had to go to like, Cleveland for my wife or something. But I was like, okay, I was listening to podcasts as I was driving, you know, where compared mm-hmm. to other podcasts, it's like, eh, you know, I'll put it on whatever. But the live one, it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I wish it was more than like 20 people in the chat room. I wish it was, you know, I like it when there's people and they're asking questions and not just, I don't know, that one day, what was that one guy, the Nazi or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like crazy stuff. I had to block right. it. So. But, uh, yeah, well, I'll get tons of email because I'm that's off of robertberger.com. I run that stuff, so I see all those the the replies and I see how many people read it and everything. And I get a lot of feedback. It's like, "Oh, I wanted to like make it." And it's just the, the scheduling. Everybody's scheduling is crazy. And a lot of times we don't even know 48 hours in advance when we're going to record anyway, let alone get the get a structure together and know have it nailed down where I can send out the email and Right. And all that jazz, but um, the coordination too. It's the list of people wanting to know when the episodes are coming out live is probably 20, 30 times the amount of people who actually get to show up in the chat on a on a week to week when we're doing and, them. And you guys, you probably already know this, but do you think if you did a live podcast from the hangar, you'd get a lot of people showing up for that? I have no idea. Because there's, there's a podcast I listen to out in New York City, and it's, it has nothing to do with aviation, but they'll do live podcasts. And, you know, where they're just like, hey, we're at this bar or whatever, and we're just going to record this. And it's going to, it's kind of like the Q&A thing that you guys did live, but it was, you know, over the internet, but it was like live with people actually there. I've, hmm. I've, I'm on all these email lists and stuff for like producing the show about mm-hmm. podcasting. So I actually got a couple of weeks ago. I got an email uh, with an article, a link I clicked on in the podcasting space about not in aviation, but just in general, people doing that. Um, it just it's not in our radar yet. I wouldn't be opposed to doing it if like we somehow got to the point where we could pull something like that off. But but yeah, it's I don't know how many people would show up and. We've got just other stuff on our plate right now, keeping the show going, trying to organize other stuff. It's just like crazy. 
I wouldn't say anything's off the table ever, but it's yeah. just like now is I mean, what would you get? Not the time. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, no. And he I mean, lives in West Palm like and we're all up here in Ohio. So it's like that doesn't <laughs> do any good. Yeah, it's true. So I don't yeah. know, like if you had a thing at Scott's place, like in the summertime. Who knows what the future may bring, but it's just like now is probably not where like the acceleration and the, the, the there's probably not enough of a foundation. I, I wouldn't think to try and launch that. We've been trying now for this will be what episode 96. Yeah. We've, we've been, like tr- we've been trying since like episode 25 to record the three of us just in the same room. And we haven't been able to pull that off yet. Let alone like more people in the room. You know what I mean? Like this summer, we keep saying that this summer I want to get the setup in Ohio. So when I do do a trip up to Ohio that um, like we can record an episode in person. Cause like it drives us nuts. This whole remote recording thing. Eventually I'd like to be able to be in Ohio um, a lot of the summertime and then batch record pretty much the entire 50 episodes for the year during the summer fall when I'm in Ohio so that every single one's in person. That would be, that would be the goal before bringing in like a live audience. I gotcha. Would just be not to have to do this remotely anymore. But yeah, that would be a dream come true. I guess that would add another element of, um, just another obstacle to clear with with guests, yeah. you know. Is, if you, you know, had a, where if you had a, if you were to define like a, one of the big one of the big goals with the show, it would be to eventually have a studio in Ohio where we sit down and we're all in person doing this. Um, that would be amazing. I think that that and time for mainly Lee and I to prep properly. I, I think that'd be huge. Those two things, but oh god, yeah, to have the time. But like Jeff, it's like there's so many facets. Like you try to do live, you try to do Q and A, you try to keep the engagement with them, and that seems to be very that seems to be responded to well from the emails I get back. I'm getting a lot of first time emails. You know, it's kind of from the from the when we started the Q and A stuff. Um, it just kind of gets people. I, just get just get some thinking, whatever. So I've gotten a lot of first time emails that way, and then um, oh, I don't really know where I was going to go after that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we're at record today. We we had broke a record with last week's episode with the amount of people who listened to it in the first seven days. That's yeah. It's there's definitely growth. It's just right now I feel like Lee and I are doing everything we can to keep it going and keep that steady growth until we can get to the point where I would probably be the first one to take the step to go where I don't have a day job anymore and do this more full time. Um, because I can, I can survive off of the lowest amount of money out of the three of us because I'm single and don't really have any expenses or anything mm-hmm. other than the show. Uh, and then eventually get Lee on board. And Scott would, Scott's always a wild card because he's got companies he's running and this 
the amount of money he would need to justify coming over to this full time would be um, higher than the highest out of the three of us. Sure. Yeah. Speaking of Russian motorcycles, though, have you swung out to Scott's airport? Ever? I go by. I go by it all the time. I've, I've never been. Is, is there a peacock there? Yes, yeah. there's several. His dad's <laughs> big into birds. Uh, okay. <laughs> but they got Boris Cycle Salvage. Him and his brother run the largest eBay used motorcycle parts store in the world. Okay. Um, so that's what he does for his day job is motorcycles. That's why I wish you- that's why I wish he was still on here when you brought up the Russian motorcycle, because Scott knows motorcycles like the back of his hand. No, I, I go by there all the time. Uh does did um did um ever have a plane out there? Yes. Do you ever hear that name? Yes. Yes. Sounds familiar. See, they wanted yeah, me to go the, out there because the, it was a, a tri-pacer. Oh, yeah, was it a, a tri-pacer? No, no, no. It was a Colt. You're right. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Colts are an underrated airplane. I want to throw that out there. Leave that in. Don't edit that out. Colts, I think, are an underrated airplane. I was supposed to go out there because was my neighbor. And uh, his dad had the plane. I was supposed to, They were going to teach me how to... Um, put the fabric on there and, but just never same thing. Like, you know how things are things, people got stuff going and it's never happened, never materialized. So I've never landed there. Uh, the only place I ever landed on grass was when you took me to Mathers Lee. Okay. And landed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so oh, that's, that's where I learned how to land. Is that, that yeah. runway? We could argue that Rob ever learned how to land, but that's a story. Well, for another yeah. day. <laughs> I try. <laughs> But before it's a fleeting thought. I don't know why I thought of it when I saw it editing it out. If anything was brought up, Jeff, that like you're like, oh, I'd rather not that be in there, just like let me know now. Or if you think of it later, like talk to like shoot something, Lee, like before I do the edit. Yeah. And like, we're not I can't try- think of anything. I mean, yeah. unless I was babbling on about something stupid, then yeah. yeah. No, you did just, really, really well. Yeah, we just try to. I, I don't want this to be like a gotcha. We got it on tape now. It's like, no, <laughs> if the guest doesn't want, you know, I mean, we're. This wasn't even live streamed. If we did live stream, it had only been a live stream and I could cut it. You know what I mean? We're not trying yeah. to like, we want the experience to be good for the guests. Is bottom line. We're not trying no, to. No, I, no, I, no, I enjoyed my time on here. So. All right. Oh, good. I'm, good. I'm glad. Yeah. It was good to have your lens of perspective on stuff. I mean, it's just like, it's crazy how fast these go. Like, like you have this grandiose vision of like, oh, it's going to be super dense knowledge and it's like you go off on these tangents and it's kind of waters down the the amount of information you're actually getting across but i think there was probably it'd be interesting to, when rob listens to this like how much there actually was because like now like i'm just thinking over it uh, like i know we covered a lot of ground but i imagine there's probably some pretty good pretty good nuggets in there and this seems to be pretty well received what do you think rob this seems to be pretty well received like this this like genre of like well i'm like i'm kind i'm gonna start training i'm in training but i'm like i'm not really serious about it i feel like there's a lot of people in that group i feel like this is good good information for a lot of people that would be nice to know how many people like listen to this that actually get their license you know how many people were like maybe on the fence and they came across this you know I feel like more people, because of the title, and I was somewhat strategic in this branding, where if you're not already a pilot, far aim 
doesn't like that's not going to be like oh that's the one I should I should try out. Yeah. Like it's not we don't grab as many as like the M0A private pilot podcast. I'm guessing. We bounce around with him his private and a couple of his other ones in the charts. Um but like that's blatantly obvious what that is to it doesn't matter if you're a pilot or not already. I don't know what that is. What is that? What is that thing about? What is it about? I, he so does, he, he's got okay you've actually listened no, to probably some of them well he he's a he's a flight instructor but he's also a salesperson he's selling his product and his product is um he's going to teach you how to fly and like he'll sell you like uh, a program if you don't pass your check ride uh, your money comes back to you but he also puts out a lot of stuff it could be over slow flights but his stuff's in a plane his is all visual on youtube like you watch so, him go fly oh yeah like you, like he's, oh, so it's like GoPro up. Yeah, it's all go, and it's like it's all sponsored. Like his planes are like top of the, you know, they're all wrapped with m 0 and I'm sure really? he's sponsored by a lot of different. Oh yeah, he's okay. he's got an audio podcast though. I see him in the charts yeah, with his shows. Sure, he does. He has that, but mostly I mostly send my students to watch his YouTube videos. You know, he'll, okay. it could be he goes over everything. You know, he does a, he does a good job at it, but like I says. Your guys' is, is something that I could sit there and listen to while I'm driving. Where his, I really can't because... You have to you be know, more engaged? You yeah, think? You is that... more, yeah, I think you have to be more engaged with it. Because it's a um, lesson. Yeah, his is It's not a conversation, like, it's a lesson. No, it's... It, yeah, but it's like I said, you guys are like a guy's guy where you guys can sit down and casually talk about stuff and guys can relate to you where guys are like, ah, this guy's a flight instructor. Yeah, he's really good at what he's talking about. I, I'm yeah. trying to explain it. His are short His are short lessons, too. They're like, you know, five minutes. His name's Jason, too, right? Jason Stracker, Strappert? Something like Jason, that. Whatever. He's... Yeah. He, um, he's buddies with, I've seen back when I had, before I'd started the show, I had time to actually study the market and watch a bunch of these creators. And I remember there was a YouTube channel of a guy out of, uh, just south of me, uh, he flies TBM 850, a lot of the Bahamas flights. Um, Steve Owen I want to say his name. Okay. And I know he's buddies with it because I believe the M01, whatever his brand is m0a.com m0a that's right m0a i believe he's florida based too like not that far away from me i think he is because there's another one out of colorado the finer points and his are his are his are fine too but they they're kind of like one in the same where they teach about the same the same things you know what i'm saying yeah Yes. Yeah, I don't really have huh. any interest in. I mean, it's I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, there's like I said, there's are mostly strictly lessons, and if you watch M Zero A, it's mostly you're gonna get a lot more out of his YouTube stuff because I mean, it's got cameras on the outside, on the inside. The audio is like just you know. So, hmm. I think he's got like a one seventy two that's got every possible gadget in it. So yeah, wow, well funded, anyways, huh? Oh, definitely. Hopefully, we oh, get yeah. there and be less salesy when we get there. I mean, they're selling T-shirts, they're selling hats. Oh. Um, we get asked for merch, and it's just like I've talked to Lee before. I'm like, if 
if we go that route, I wouldn't want to just huck merch with like a Farim logo on it. I'd want to create a brand and like actually make stuff that like Lee and I would want to wear that we'd assume other people would want to wear more so than like, hey, buy this T-shirt with our logo on it type stuff where yeah. I see a lot of people doing it. And yeah. the, the work and effort it would take to make a clothing line is like not something I'm yet ready to undertake maybe someday but it's like not high on the priority list so I, that's why i keep saying like we're not really yeah into the merch stuff yet we got other ideas but we'll see yeah anyway yeah i'm uh i gotta work tomorrow morning yeah i'm fa- i'm fading fast you uh are we want are we wrapping this up or you want to have another one or well, I can I edit. was thinking that I would have another one but All right, I can edit out some dead space or Jeff, Jeff and I can how, reminisce. Are you hanging I'm in? Good. You're good? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, you got a, Rob, you, you got good? A little bit of time? Yeah, I can edit all this out when I sober up. So we're good. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, why don't we maybe when we reconvene keep it I mean, we're going to obviously edit this, but uh is there a different direction? I mean, is there anything like anything else that you want to talk about? Because I put down, you know, um, just kind of importance of getting the medical early, which you kind of glossed over. But obviously, I think you you pretty much it's pretty simple. Like get it early, so you don't have anything yeah. that's a problem after you've put five thousand or ten thousand dollars into it. Oh, exactly. Um, that's the main reason. Yeah. Well, right. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, even yeah, yeah. Don't put money into it until you know you can like get the license. Um, um, common mistakes, uh, you know, you're out of flying for a while. Why were you out of flying for a while? And then we kind of talked about the track. Like, what was your goal when you initially got your private, when you started? Was it just something you always wanted to do? Bucket list you wanted to solo, bucket list you wanted your license, and then you do nothing with it. Um, why, why was that? Go ahead. I like all this. You should just bullet point it. Let's start talking about it when you get back with more drinks. Okay, but I, I feel like we need some more because I feel like um, I feel like we need more, but more. All right, we'll figure okay. it out. I'll we right got, we're not live. We're not live, so I can edit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I try to keep them. I try to, I, I try to, I would like it to be minimal. You know, we got an hour, 16 minimes. minutes of audio right now. This is could be a solid, solid 30, 40 minute episode already. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> so jeff how did you initially find the show i'm just curious okay so i i own a russian motorcycle with a sidecar and it it broke down and or not broke down i had to take it to the dealer in dayton so i was in dayton and all my podcasts i listened to i had caught up to and i was like you know what let me find something i'm flying that i haven't listened to and i i don't know far that's pretty cool so I start listening and it's like you guys did an intro and it's like Lee Griffin. I was like, no, there's no, there's no <laughs> way there's another Lee Griffin, you know? I started paying attention and then um I texted Lee while I'm driving. I was like, hey, you didn't tell me you had this this podcast. And he's like, eh, he goes, you know, skip he told me to skip to like the 50th episode. He goes, just just skip through it. <laughs> I was like, Lee, I'm going to listen to it. Then I, I saw Ryan was on there. And I was like, Ryan, you never told me you were on this podcast, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yes, I started listening to it. Like I said, um, I only got, right now I only have two students because, like I said, everything's part-time. I work for the – I'm just finished up my career with the fire department. So, um, 
I only had two students. And then, like I said, I'm starting to fly the islands now. And one of my students is in, he just graduated high school. And I told him about it. And his dad, because I work with his dad, he goes, he loves the show. He's like, he listens that all the time. He, he it's It's been very helpful to him, you know. And uh, like I said, he went through that. So, God, when did I go down to Dayton? Yeah, like I said, he's probably a month and a half. He's probably went through every episode that you guys have had on here. So, wow. he's the one that ran into someone in the gym also. Okay. So, no, so like I, all my students, well, like I said, there's, well, there's third. So, uh, one of them was, I know three of them were listening. Out of the three I have, three listening. So, okay. Yeah. It's just, it's just, cause like Lee Scott and I, we're not like, oh, we're truly's. Oh, you got the strawberry lemonade? I got black the, cherry just is the, the best. Just the mixer. The um, the mixer pack that I got did not have any of the black cherries. It was just yeah. Uh, the I can't find them anymore. It's the uh, depressing it's man. Watermelon, strawberry, like the straight lemonade, mango. The mango was very good, surprisingly. Yeah. This is the first truly. I mean, it's first truly I've ever had. Oh. My wow. brother Aubrey and Bart were over, and they they wanted these. Got them and drank one or two, and then. Here I am drinking the rest of them. What were you guys talking about when I when I came back? Oh, um, I was just talking to Jeff about how he found the show. I was just curious because I do the marketing and everything for it. And how did you find the show, Jeff? I missed. I was, the time. Not, I, was I was taking my Russian motorcycle. I was picking up from Dayton, and because uh, it had um, had some repairs, and went through all my podcasts I listened to, and then I was like, "Hey, you know, let me find something." I said, "Oh, Far Aim." I was like, "This would be pretty good." And uh, so I started listening to it, and like the intro was, you know, Rob Scott and Lee Griffin. I was like, like what the f- the ads are? It's Lee Griffin from, you know, the Lee Griffin. And it was like Ohio, and I was like, okay, this is getting really weird. And then I, I texted you <laughs> on the road. I was like, Lee, and you're like, oh, dude, skip skip to the fiftieth, just skip through it. So, <laughs> but like I says, um, I'm slow, slowly working my way through because um, just use I'm not driving where I can listen to them. And uh, no, I like I said, I, I told this to Lee. Um, I think there's a lot of context that gets out to the people. You know that that's really good. I mean, yeah, there's some filler stuff, but I think the filler stuff is what keeps people in there too. Like my, like I was telling you, uh, Rob, my one student, he thinks it's you know instead of like, I mean, I'm trying to think who you have. Um, I mean, there are podcasts out there, the finer, the finer points and m0a.com. And there are just strictly a lesson, you know, and there are just 15 minutes of content. That's just, you know, but it's boring. You listen to it and you're like, I mean, it's good, but it's kind of doesn't keep your interest where this is like, you're listening. You could be doing something else while you're listening to it, you know, and and get something out of it. So it's been very helpful. Yeah, well, that's good. I, I mean, we we need that kind of feedback because it's interesting. Like the emails I get, you know, I don't even know how many emails I get a week. I might mm-hmm. actually this week I haven't had any. Yeah, it varies. I'm almost week to week. concerned, but <laughs> but like yeah, I I'll I'll get ten ten emails, fifteen emails a week. It's just like, it's just crazy. But you're reaching out to people, and that's that's what this is all about to me. And it's interesting. I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but I can see that that having the easy to listen to format. I just 
I don't know how to also make people want to listen and have it be like kind of not background noise because I don't really want it to be background noise, but them get the education out of it as well. It's it's a tough balancing act. You know what I think too? I don't think you guys are intimidating. You know, you guys are like a guy's guy where you guys are like, oh, like, you know, my one, the one student's dad was like, yeah, he talks about how he loves listening to you. And he goes, yeah, those guys will be drinking on the show and stuff like that. He goes, but he also says he's getting a lot of information out of it. So I think like you guys just make it easier for people to listen to. It's like, hey, you know, these are just regular guys, you know, and they're just helping me out. So, ah, well, keep doing we it. We want to keep, yeah, we want to keep helping them out. That's, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, Rob, you ready or where are we at? What's up? I'm yeah. ready. Jeff, okay, um, Three, two, one. Edit this somehow. What um with the island training? I mean, like what you passed the check ride, but now you're doing training. How exactly? How how does that how does that work? So basically, I ride along with uh, one of the other uh, island pilots, mm-hmm. and uh, they just make sure that you know I'm hitting my spots, learning speed. You know, things are a little bit different. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. All this time I've been spending in the right seat, now I'm back over to the left seat. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, you know, you got the different winds. It, yeah, as you know, you got the different winds coming off of different things. So you're oh, getting, yeah. um, you know, turbulence, mechanical turbulence off of the buildings, the trees, um, mm-hmm. and just, you know, seagulls, eagles, deer. Kelly's a lot of, you know, saw some deer at Kelly's today. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And just, you know, jumping from one plane to another to, you yeah. know, like you've talked about how you would jump from one jet to another jet, you know, even though it's like maybe a Saratoga and a uh, an Archer, but, you know, there are still some differences. You just got to, you know, remember your speeds and, you know, what you need to do. So yeah. it comes quick and it, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on that day. Right. Totally. Totally. Well, we can get more into that later, I suppose. But Rob, yeah. where are we at? What are you thinking? Uh, I'm ready to start. If you're ready to like kind of take the initiative since you kind of came up with the bullet points, Lee, I'll still like intro the show for you and stuff. Okay. Um, and get us going and then I'll kind of just turn over to you. Um, I'll let you introduce Jeff because Scott and I don't really just Please met you like five me. minutes ago. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. We feel like a long time friend already, but. Lee's known you for longer, so um, I feel like that might be, unless you got a different idea of how to do that, Lee. Nope, I think that's good. I'm just trying to get my shit together now that I kind of know what, what we're uh, doing. Um, uh, yeah, no no rush, man. Compose your thoughts. Um, it's not like Scott's got a bedtime or anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I am. That's nine. <laughs> yeah, 40 minutes. So just re- remind everybody. You got forty minutes okay. of me. All right. Freezing. So yeah, forty minutes of freezing up and and I I yeah I can't I can't hear or see you guys half the All time. Right. So that's gonna be interesting. Okay. Okay. I'm 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 ready whenever you like, are, Rob. It's it's frozen. It's 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 frozen. You're so all frozen. Oh, all three good of you. lord. You're all you're Can all. Can you dead. hear me? You're all dead. Can you hear me, yeah. Scott? And he's gone. We need to, when he does come back on and we start, we need to explain to him to not do that while we're having a conversation because that's going to be really distracting. Right. He needs to just go in and out. Scott. Hi. What? Hey. Hey. 
What? You all right? It's yeah. I mean, it's gonna work for a minute, and then it's gonna die again. I don't. Okay. Know. When you when you, when you die, don't don't give us a commentary about how your internet's dying. It's gonna be a little distracting for the conversation. Okay. Well, if I'm not talking, and you prompt me to talk and I say nothing, it's it's just because I don't I don't hear you. Oh, this is gonna be a fun edit. So I guess what what would a hand signal be? I mean, just just do like the it's just dead do this. or that. Just, well, yeah. yeah, that's too yeah, common. Or too multi-purpose. The middle, is, the, the bird is too too yeah. multi-purpose. Scott I think. would do that for other things. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I'd yeah. say probably just like it's dying or well, I guess not because yeah. that could be used for something else. Like, yeah. don't say that. But I don't know. Don't come up with Scott something. Every so often, I'll just do this. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Make it feel better. Next time Scott goes out, <laughs> yeah, we got to yeah, figure out a, a signal where we all do that. We'll just do it. Yeah. All right. Do like, just do like this or something, Scott. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Just do yeah. something weird. Yeah. Well, you, you, we'll figure it out. You're, you're running the clock here on my bedtime. And yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to start the damn show because so, you're an okay. 87 year old with a bedtime. Yeah, well, some of us have to get up at 4 a.m. Three, two, one.